We had been married four years, and those four years were bliss. Sleeping in, we bought a house right when we got married. Before Chip and Joe, there was John and Shaw, and uh, we painted every room of the house we, with styles, not in style at all today, but it was awesome then. We had Fridays off together. We would go down the street and have breakfast together. No worries at all. We were living the life. Both believers, both involved in church. We had our plan. After two years, we'd attempt to start a family because we need two years with just pure bliss of peace and quiet. We thought, ah, it's about time now. We should start having a family. Well, it wasn't as easy as we thought. It took another two years for us to get that exciting news, that awesome little thing that says, eh, you're pregnant. I remember going to the doctor's office and uh, going through all that um, and finding out that we were expecting, but not only one, two. In the midst of that, there's always few things to worry about are the the twins they were in one sack which is not nothing crazy a little more complicated so we went down to st louis because they have a little more expertise in that matter and that was probably one of those first moments where i had kind of an out-of-body experience i remember sitting there after ultrasound after ultrasound and i can still when i drive by the hospital i know exactly what room it is and i can i can picture it and i can see the the young doctor across from us and saying they're conjoined. Felt like I was watching in on a movie taking a place because I was not in that seat. Although my body was there, I was above and out of it thinking, this stuff you watch in movies, this doesn't happen to a couple in Quincy, Illinois. And so I remember the ride home uh, with my wife and my mother-in-law. Uh, motions all over the place, but I remember th- this thought, and this became kind of a driving uh, theme for us still to this day. We said, whatever is going to happen, God is going to receive the glory for this. And that's been for the glory of God. has been kind of this mantra over our life. Well, after that, we became great WebMDs researchers. We, we contacted all kinds of people. We gathered um, the church family. Uh, we had a, a community calendar of people fasting over us. We had people praying for us, people we've never met contacting us, saying, we're with you, we're, we're on this journey with you. I got to experience the church on a whole nother level. We ended up contacting uh, the hospital out in Philadelphia because they even had expertise in separating conjoined twins. Our twins were joined at the belly, so it was really doable. It was going to be possible that they wasn't joined at the head or anywhere else. At the belly, they could be split, and all the organs were there for them to have, uh, their, to have separate lives. So we were on a path. We were on a journey. And I remember at 32 weeks, uh, through all this, we took ultrasound after ultrasound. We went out to Philly for a visit, and we spent in a doctor's office, probably a 10 by 10 of the ultrasound room, and we spent eight hours in there getting every angle, and it was hard for me, and I was one just sitting in the chair to the side, let alone my amazing wife who had to lay still for eight hours as they examined every angle because they wanted to know every part of these babies. They wanted to make sure that they knew what they were doing. Um, So around 32 weeks, um, they decided for us to go out there and remain the the remainder of the time. So me and my wife on our own at the young age, 
in our mid-twenties, went out there all alone and uh, stayed at a Ronald McDonald house, and we were there. I remember the first few days, and we stayed through a weekend. And then we were headed into a Monday appointment, nothing crazy, nothing normal. Um, went in there to do more ultrasounds, and we knew what ultrasounds looked like. We knew exactly the colors, the, the numbers, the, the, the beeping, all that. We knew exactly what we were to look for. However, this Monday, doctor's appointment was ever so different. We went into our room, and we had a young nurse um, lather up and start to do the thing, except this time the screen was pitch black. No beeps. No colors. Just still. Still can see that screen to this day. I can still see the nurse trying to hold emotions because she knew right off the bat. We're no dummies either. We knew. So she had to go out and get the doctor and come in and the doctor had to check and, and then they gave us the news. I remember leaving that room after having a time with my wife and we had to go to another room where we sat and they gave us the phone and we had to call our parents, share the news. That was the first time in my life that I experienced suffering. I lived a great life uh, without a lot of troubles or, and this one just took the cake. Took the cake. Now we celebrate their life still to this day and get opportunities to share about them. Lo and behold, a few years later, we have our amazing daughter, Thea. We have a son, Jadwin. We have a crazy uh, young daughter named Clark, also called Wonderwear. And all was good. We thought we weren't done yet. Suffering continues. My wife experienced a miscarriage early on. That child, whether a boy or girl, we named Journey. And it was devastating. She was, we had experienced a uh, miscarriage at our home. And as a guy, I can somewhat relate, but to her, another devastation, another loss of a child that was supposed to be in this world. Then Milo, my youngest son, comes. Suffering. I know it. I know it. So why do I tell you this? To some in this room tonight, this is a forewarning. To some, you are right there with me. You may not experience the same things that I've experienced, but you are suffering. In the midst of life, you are experiencing some sort of suffering. And my encouragement and the hope tonight is that this is an, a, a spurring on, an encouragement for us believers to grab a hold of something greater. The title of this, this message in this series is God Flips Everything for Good. I want to put a little subtitle in there for my own purpose. Um, it's this, if you're taking notes. There will be suffering, comma, but Jesus. My purpose in telling you these stories, and maybe even drawing up some of your sufferings is not for you to feel bad for me and my family, not to cause you to start thinking, woe is me. No, this is quite the opposite. The purpose of this is to spur us on and to get our eyes fixed straight ahead on the one who can change things, and that's Jesus. Our scripture uh, tonight is this. You, we heard last week, Corey talked about these two things. One, it's this. Well, what I'd like to say is uh, we walk through suffering, we're waiting in the suffering, and God waits with us through the suffering. 
And I'm already using the word suffering. It was hard to get away from it because the scriptures that we're going to read tonight are just like the part two of this. So my, I have no reason to re-preach Corey's message because it was solid. I hope you heard it. If not, go back and listen to it. But this is kind of a, I want to have a third statement on there, a third point. God flips our suffering for the good. The scriptures tonight is in Romans chapter 8. If you have a Bible or if you have your iPhone, open it up or it's going to be on the screen behind me. And it says this, Romans 8, 28 through 30. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chose them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them the right standing, he gave them his glory. So what do we know? Number one, God is working for the good of those who love him. God knows all the trials. He knows all of your achievements. He knows all of your stories, all of your thoughts, both good, bad, and ugly. He knows the sufferings, the pains, the loneliness that you feel. And he's still working for the good for you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Number two, God knows us and chose us to become like his son. Now there's a churchy word I'm going to use. It's called sanctification. I want to explain three words real fast. Just churchy words, but you'll get what they mean. So you have sanctification, which is right in the middle, kind of where we're at now. The first word I want to use is justification. It's, not, it's a big word, but it also means just justified. Justification means this. When you accept God as when you accept Jesus and God as your Lord and Savior, when you surrender to him and when you are baptized, you are now justified before God. God doesn't see you in your sin. He sees his son, Jesus. So now you are justified and you are in right standing with the holy God. Praise be to God for that. Then you have this word that we're going to talk to in a second. And then after sanctification, you have glorification. Glorification is what we are awaiting right now. We are in the midst of waiting for Jesus to come back where we will have glorified bodies. Where heaven on earth will be here and we will all celebrate with no sin. The one right in the middle, the one that we're talking about now, is what he says, God knows us and chose us to become, to become like Jesus. That word is called sanctified, or another word, sanctification, where those who are believers, we are constantly trying to look more and more like Jesus. As we get into God's word, as we gather as the people of God, we look and try and pursue this relationship with Jesus where they don't see so much of me, but you start seeing more of Jesus. This is being sanctified. This is what God hopes for all of us after we are justified. The saying goes like this. You become the average of the five people you hang around most with. So if you are here with five of your friends, you are the average of those five people. Corey, are you in this room? Go ahead and stand up. I am the average of this man right here. I dressed first today, and he decided to dress like me. We spend a lot of time together. He is the, I am the average of him and a few others. And the saying goes, like when you get married, all of a sudden they start looking like, you start looking like your spouse. It's crazy. But the truth is, when you hang around the people you hang around with, you become like them. So think about the five greatest influences in your life, the people you hang around, your best friends, good and bad, you're the average of them. There's another sermon there for another time. And then three, and one day, glory. So all this to lead up to glory, right? The anticipation of heaven, the anticipation of all things new. That God chose us, 
and called us. And if he called us, we will be in glory with him. Oh my goodness. That is good news. That God called us and wants us to be like his son and says, just hang on. Everything is going to be made right one day. Back in mid-2000, there was a, in the movie theaters, you, I don't know if 3D movies still exist, if they were a thing just for the mid-2000s, they may still exist. There was one movie that only worked in 3D, in my opinion. And I went with my wife and my buddy, Neil. We went over to Hannibal, and we watched a movie called Avatar. Anyone seen Avatar? Oh, man. That movie, if I could, and that was a man-made, he made this in his head, but if I could imagine what heaven might be like, the surroundings, it's Avatar. It was beautiful. I left the movie kind of disappointed a little bit that I had to go back into a fallen world. I just wanted to watch it again. It may not, it was a great story. Avatar 2 is supposedly coming out. I'll be at it, watching it again. But that whole idea of just this beauty of, of pure bliss, things you've never seen before, tastes and smells. Guys, I want you to anticipate the coming of Jesus to be in the presence of God, to be in the presence of a holy God, and everything made right. It is just going to be something to behold one day. In verse 18, backing up a little bit, my friend Corey, brother, preached on this last week, but I felt like it was worth mentioning now. It says in verse 18, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. So we do know this. We know that all the earth is groaning. He talked about birth pains. It's like a, this stewing is just waiting. Like the, the mountains are just moving. The, the, the rocks are crying out. There's, there's movement and, and storms and all these things. It's just everything's just waiting. And we're waiting. And one day all will be made right. God will flip it for the good. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I don't want you to get caught dwelling in your suffering. It will solve nothing. It will only cause depression, worry, anxiety, and loneliness, loss of self-worth. The world is not right. And you will only go depressed and weary if you focus on all the things that are going wrong in this world and in your life. But Jesus. But Jesus. So what I'm asking you to do tonight is have hope. I put hope, exclamation point, hope, exclamation point, hope, exclamation point. I want you to hear that. I want you to have hope. Believers in Jesus Christ, let us have hope. Let us anticipate. When we gather as believers, let us anticipate and expect the presence of God. Let us not grow weary in doing good. I love what it says in 1 Thessalonians. It says this, we don't have to grieve like those who have no hope. Oh, no, we do not. No, we do not. We have hope. And who's our hope found in? It's Jesus. Whatever this world may throw at us, oh, keep it coming. Because I got Jesus. And I know what my God does, that he flips everything for the good. So what does this mean for you? What does this mean for your life as a believer? Well, we know that there's seasons of life. We've all experienced certain seasons so far. I'm going to talk about three different seasons of life. Some of you maybe experienced a season of life where everything is crazy highs. Some of you have gotten the perfect job right now. Some of you have started your first two years of marriage and they are awesome. 
It is all about just you two doing whatever you want to do, watching Fixer Upper and doing all the special things and going on trips without having to worry about anything. Maybe it's, uh, it's having kids. For me, it's like a crazy high is when I beat Corey at a workout, and I love it. I'm, it. It happens a few times. It's happened a couple, and it's good, and I rub it in his face because it's awesome. It makes me feel so good because he's younger than I am, and I'm still strong, and I'm still... Anyways, in the midst of that, what do I want us to do when the crazy highs come? I want you to celebrate of the hope to come. Celebrate of the hope to come. Things are great. Awesome. Celebrate those things, but celebrate of the hope to come. It says this in Colossians 3. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. What about when your life is just normal? Maybe you are in the midst of school right now. You're not even a senior. You're not even a freshman. You're just one of those weird sophomore and juniors. You're just doing this grind. Maybe you're just working a day-to-day job, working 8 to 5, and going home and doing that doing that kind of life. It's just blah. What do we do? We celebrate of the hope to come. So you may not be on a high mountaintop or in the lowest valley. That doesn't give you an excuse not to celebrate of the hope to come, not to celebrate the anticipation of the coming of the King of Jesus, not to celebrate what he's done in your heart, not to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, resides inside of you and you can do miraculous things. Oh, no. You celebrate of the hope to come. Because Colossians 3, guess what it says? Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. When the crazy lows come, and they will, and they will, the crazy lows come, the miscarriages, the death in the family, the persecution, the divorce of parents, the phone call that someone has cancer, the lies and the rumors that are told about you that aren't true. I think about a couple that go to church here, Aaron and Amanda, and this in past 2020, in that year alone, he lost his mother, she lost her mother. And she also found out that she had breast cancer. And she's been dealing with that. All in a year. All in 12 months. A loss of two mothers. And now you're dealing with the same thing that one of the mothers, other mothers passed away from. But you know what? They're celebrating of the hope to come. She just finished chemo, round 16. Her journey is not done with cancer, but she is tackling it. And she has experienced the love of the church. She's experiencing what it is to share the testimony of the good news and what God does. It flips everything for good. It's awesome to watch. It's awesome to participate in that. I also have a friend, uh, Neil and Whitney, that after actually tonight I'm going home and we're going to Zoom them. They're a great testimony as well. She's struggling with Lyme disease and can't, hasn't cured it. Just weak all the time. No cure for Lyme disease, just awful. So a few of our, us as friends tonight, we're going to gather and we're going to pray tonight. But we know what's neat to see? Their testimony. 
the way that they celebrate of the hope to come. They, haven't gr- they get tired and weary, and that's where the church comes and builds up and rises up. You know what I know about that? Colossians 3. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. You see, being a Christian is no walk in the park. Or at least what I see in Scripture when I watch the disciples, when I watch what Jesus did and how he lived his life, it's no walk, easy stroll. It's the complete opposite, actually. But it was great to watch and witness when you see believers go through sufferings, go through trials, go through persecution, but yet their eyes are solely fixed straight ahead on Jesus and what's to come. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. There will be suffering, but Jesus Suffering because of a fallen world and the results of sin, miscarriages, death, disease, all those things, hunger, brokenness. Also suffering because of your devotion to Christ. Some will suffer. You will experience persecution if you believe in the name of Jesus Christ. It says this in 1 Peter 3. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to tell them. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. What if? What if? What if through your suffering, he is writing a redemptive story for somebody else? What if by the word of our testimony people find hope for the first time? What if by persevering we spur others on? (laughs) What if we believe that these trials and sufferings were temporary and one day would be made right? What if we think on the things such as heaven and the hope to come? What if we think of things that are holy and honoring and true? What happens to your perspective when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. To be honest, I'm not sure I will ever grasp the ultimate why on this side of heaven. I don't think my wife and I will ever know the ultimate meaning why we had to suffer through and watch our boys go that way. Because I had a whole other story. I wrote it out for them. It would have been a miraculous testimony to, to separate two boys and them living out to become preachers and go into the, all the world and preach the good news and explain their testimony. 
I think that would have been pretty swell, pretty grand. But it didn't happen that way. I thought we went through that already and thought, okay, that was our suffering. That's good. God will give you all the glory for that. We'll continue to live our lives. Only then, four children later, to experience another devastation, another suffering that we had to go through and start all that over again and bring up all those emotions. I don't know why. But I can land on the truth that God is going to flip it for good. I will enjoy certain things on this side of heaven. I'm going to enjoy the moments where another couple might experience a miscarriage or a stillborn death, and we can go sit across our table and say, you're not alone. Oh, no, you're not alone. It's hard, but you're not alone. Or the conversations where we've had with women who had abortions, and are dealing with that, and come to us. I don't know the answers to it. But what I can do is I can sit and listen to them and share in their suffering. Because I know something about hope. I know that God's going to make it right. I know the journey that it put my wife and I on. That we really had to look at our faith and say, do we buy this whole Jesus? Do we buy this whole gospel Christianity stuff? Because this sucks. So we have to get in, our, in God's word, and we had to look. And I had to look, because I didn't want to base my feelings and think, oh, they're just in heaven. Because people die, they go to heaven. I had a hard search, like, where are my boys at? And it was a search, and it was a journey into God's word, and a relationship with him, a conversation with him, and not have a peace knowing where my three children rest in heaven until one day all will be made right. I get the opportunity. I'm going to share with you a letter that was given to me just this past year. Her name's Jerry, and she had a similar story, so I'm just going to read this story, read this letter that she sent me. John, I can't thank you enough for baptizing me on Sunday. Happened right over there. It was awesome. It has been a journey for me these past seven years. When it comes to my faith, I don't believe everything necessarily happens for a reason. But I do definitely believe God places certain people in our lives at certain times, and you are one of those people for me. I know our stories are somewhat similar, and I also know to never assume to fully know someone's story or not. I don't know if you remember this or not, but the, other, but the day after Allie, which was their first daughter who was a stillborn, died, Zach and I went to meet with Jerry Harris at his office for the funeral plans. You were there. You gave both of us a hug, and I soon learned what this new reality of surviving child loss would be like. I also learned how kind words, hugs, prayers, etc., from people who have been through similar situations take my breath away and make my heart beat harder because they get it. Fast forward a couple of years after Bruce, their then next child that they had, we had a stillborn son and then a miscarriage. And then they had Layla, their daughter. During all this time, I was happy and completely blessed with Bruce and Layla. But something was always missing. I started contemplating on if God was even real. But I kept on going to church every Sunday. Then you and Shauna started leading worship at 48th Street at times. Seeing you both being so faithful made me start to ask questions I put off for a long time. 
And then our sons were put in the same preschool class. I don't believe all of this is by accident. There are a series of steps that took me to, say, to my baptism, but you and your wife were definitely one of them. That's good. If the things that you are going through might help someone else come to know Jesus, in my opinion, it makes it all worth it. Eternities change forever. So yes, you may and will have to go through sufferings, but I'm encouraging you now to hang in there. God flips everything for the good. Some of the good we're just, we won't get to see on this side of heaven. Some of it we'll never get to know fully why, but I trust me, when I read God's word, all will be made right one day, and all will be made clear when we are in the presence of Almighty God. See, the hope of this message was to spur believers in this room on. Those who have surrendered their life to Jesus, you need these reminders that all things are worked out for the good. So keep on keeping on. Don't lose the fight. Don't you dare lose the fight. Keep conforming yourself to Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed straight ahead on Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Our Jesus knows suffering. He went to suffering on the cross. And it says before that he, joy set before him, the cross. He had a bigger picture. He knew of the hope to come. In verse 31, this wasn't part of the scripture, but it says right after all these things, what shall we we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Who can be against us? For those in this room that have not chose to love God yet, the invitation is open right now. To love God is to love his son Jesus who died on the cross for your sins. Your struggle to find purpose and hope in the midst of your life That can all change tonight. Scripture says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You then will be in relationship and can love God because of Jesus. You can experience the goodness of God. So in a moment, we're going to continue to sing, and we're going to worship. We're going to worship a God who is good, who is faithful. Even in the midst of any of our sufferings, we can still say, thanks be to God that you never have left me nor have forsaken me, that he's with us in every struggle. And if you're a person in this room who's a believer and you're in the midst of a struggle or you've been one, why don't you come up, get on your knees, and surrender to God and say, thanks be to God that you have never left me. And Lord, in the future when they come, help me to keep my eyes so fixed on you that nothing else matters. Help me to be example to this world that is hopeless. Christians, we need to rise up We need to be examples. We need to speak life into people. Share the good news. Share your testimony of suffering so that others can know that there's hope in the midst of trials. And if you're not a believer yet, oh, can I encourage you? When a world that offers no answers, no hope, there's a God who loves you and says, I am for you and I want to be in a relationship with you. So there's going to be people on either side of the stage. We have an awesome baptistry over there that's ready to change lives for good by surrendering yourself, becoming death, and then new life in Christ Jesus. And if you want to experience that new life, it can happen tonight. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your son Jesus.
Thank you for your word that is, is a guiding post for us, that directs us, that keeps us, our foundation set. Thank you for my family, all of them, the ones that are even in your presence now. God, thank you that I get to talk about them. God, for those who else have experienced loss in this room, suffering that seems unbearable, God, I ask that your spirit inside them would comfort them like they've never felt before. That there's purpose in the midst of our suffering and that, God, you will change it and you will flip it for good whether we see it on this side of heaven or when we get into heaven in your presence, we will experience the goodness and experience what it is to be completely free of suffering. And for those who don't know you, Jesus, if it's just one person in this room that is struggling, God, would you press upon their heart and tell them that they are worth, they have worth, and that they don't have to do this life alone. Jesus, we thank you for what you endured on the cross, and we celebrate you tonight, and we will sing out, we will cry out, and we will glorify you. We will praise your name because you are worthy, and we are so thankful that you never left us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.